welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. On the podcast this week, we have Loki Mayberg. Welcome, Loki. Thanks for having me. First of all, thanks for teaching me how to pronounce your last name because I always screw it up, so it's nice to get it right for once. But why don't you introduce yourself to folks who don't know who you are? Sure, of course. Uh, so my name is Loki Mayberg. I work uh, I work on Teams. I actually am on the platform team over there. The platform has many different capabilities. Uh, some of you might know there are bots, there are tabs, there are messaging extensions. Uh, the area that I own is the tabs area, and so that's really going to be what we're going to be talking about today is uh, authentication and single sign-on in the tabs area. Now, of course, I do a lot more in the tabs area, but this is the area that I'm most excited to talk about today. And folks who've heard the podcast know I'm excited to talk about Auth2, so it's a match made in heaven. But I, I do want to say this, we're recording this shortly after Microsoft has said work from home for everybody. So I appreciate you taking time because I'm sure the team's organization is busy supporting the rest of the world doing their team. And, and the free team's tier was released what, yesterday, right? Or today. So uh, I'm sure you're busy. So thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yes, it's been interesting working from home uh, the last week. And yes, there have been a, a lot more people using Teams this week. All right. So let's uh, dive into Teams. Right? So the Teams app platform or developer platform, right? It lets us open a tab and write and just as a, to a level set, most people say, well, I can just in the team application, I can click create new tab and post in a URL and it works and I get a web page in my browser. But obviously the experience can be better than that, right? So what do you mean by saying we want to do authentication inside a tab? Right, of course. I think if we go back to that analogy that you were talking about, like, oh, I'm just going to paste in a URL and that should be enough. Well, you know, that might be enough for in some scenarios, but it quickly starts falling short in other scenarios. And I think one of the first things people will see when they when they go down that path is authentication doesn't work. And those types of applications, if you just paste in a URL, they don't come with the goodness of teams. They don't style to the dark mode theme, for example. They don't, uh, you know, authentication might not work for you. It might not work very well on the mobile phone either. And so really we try to steer people as much as possible to the, you know, the actual app. So um, for those folks who are listening, if you're ever thinking about pasting in, say, a SharePoint URL, don't do that. Go use the actual SharePoint app. It's going to be much, much better. And you'll see, and you'll see that too, right? So if you go and you paste in a SharePoint website URL, you might have to sign into that or some other people, you know, maybe you don't have to sign in, but other people on your team might notice that, oh man, I have to keep signing into this tab every time. But if you use the dedicated app, it's going to be a much, much nicer experience for you and everyone else who's, who's a part of that group chat or a part of that team. Yeah, you were talking about, okay, so there's tabs. What are they? My team is not called the tabs team. It's actually called the hosted experiences team. And so it's whenever you're trying to host your own web app experience inside of Teams. And we provide the SDK and the, the tools and the mechanisms to make that experience as fluent from the ground up for you. I've long espoused that uh, doing a tab inside of a team is something that you want to to customize because the group membership is going to have a specific focus, right? So if I start going down that path, everyone listens to Paul because he's so smart, wink, wink. Um, I start building a tab. Um, what does this mean then to do authentication? Well, first of all, where do I where do I start? That's a really good question. So yeah, let's talk about building a tab. So in in my experience. 
uh, having built a few myself, building a tab, getting started is, is such an easy experience because you're really just bringing in all of your existing work, your existing web app, and you're bringing that experience into Teams. And then you hit a roadblock, and that roadblock is called authentication. And authentication can be very, very difficult to get right. It's our number one developer complaint across all the capabilities, ranging from bots to tabs to messaging extensions. Authentication is just a hard subject. It's, it's hard to get right. Now, we give you a ton of tools to be able to build authentication into that application. So I think the mechanism that most people are familiar with is cookie-based authentication. That's how browsers work today. And that is how authentication has always worked inside of Teams, is uh, we provide you a mechanism to uh, sign in your users and keep that cookie around. Where does that fall apart? I think the problem with, with cookie-based authentication is, well, first of all, you have to sign in. That's maybe not too big of a problem if you're already signed in with your Google account or you're already signed in with, maybe you're signing in with a LinkedIn account in your browser. But if you're in Teams, the desktop client, there's, you're not inside of Chrome, you're not inside of Edge. You might never have signed in to that application with your Google account, with your LinkedIn account. So you have to do that inside of the Teams desktop client. And that's, that first out of the gate is just a rough experience. It's a workable solution. It's what we've had in the past. Uh, we provide other tools just to make that experience more seamless to developers and users. So I, I know before the, before the call, uh, you and I were discussing silent authentication. And so silent authentication was this mechanism we provided just to make that whole getting a cookie experience much easier, more streamlined. Now, we can do better than that. And we first have to talk about and identify where do cookies as a concept just begin to break? Well, the first one is around, you know, the portability of cookies. Like I said, just because you're signed in on your browser doesn't mean you're signed into the Teams desktop client. That same analogy applies to the phone as well, right? So just because you're signed in on your desktop client doesn't mean you're signed in on your phone. And, you know, we all know what it's like to type in your email and your password on your phone and you might get it wrong the first time. And that's just it's just not a, a great experience. So that's one of the one of the issues with cookies, right, is that you can't really move that around places. You, you're kind of stuck to the browser that you're signed into. You're stuck to the desktop app that you're signed into. What else? Oh, cookies expire, right? So uh, cookies can die for whatever reason. They can, they can go away. And you might see that actually, you know, I think Monday mornings, we all come back. We haven't used Teams over the weekend. And oh, this app that you're using inside of Teams, you have to sign in again, maybe because the cookie had expired. So there's also this temporal problem with cookies. They just, you know, you've signed in and, and you have to keep doing it over and over again, right? And so if you look at cookies and, and, and the cookie-based authentication mechanism that we've provided, it was, it was a really good start. It was a really good first attempt. We really improved that experience. And that's, that was kind of how authentication had worked back in, up until 2019. And so I think, you know, what, what I'm here to talk about is single sign-on and what that means for teams, what that means for developers, for users, IT admins, and just how that whole experience improves for all of those different people. Okay, and so from the user perspective, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you mean, hey, I've logged into the Teams application and I click on a tab inside my team and I shouldn't have to be prompted again. You already know who I am. Well, just show me what I'm supposed to see, right? Yes, uh, that's, a, that's exactly it, right? And so we already see that today with some of our applications, right? So I was talking about SharePoint earlier. If you go to, a sh to the actual SharePoint app, you don't have to sign into SharePoint, right? You don't have to sh sign into Planner. You don't have to sign into OneNote. Uh, the, you're already signed in with the same account that you're signed into the 
uh, Teams app. So that's what the users would see is just they're right in. They're right into the application. Okay, so if I'm a developer right, and, and I'm on the Microsoft platform, so w what do I do to make this single sign-on experience e easy for my users? What, what, where do, what do I do? We've partnered with the, you know, the Azure AD team. Um, I also have to give credit to the identity and authentication team that we've worked on, worked with, to really make this experience as seamless as possible for developers. I will just start with the, the end of the experience, which is using the SDK. But when you use the SDK as a developer to get authentication to work, it's just one line of JavaScript. You just say, get auth token, and we will take care of the whole user experience. We'll take care of all of the consent mechanisms to make sure that you can get a token back from AED. That single function can also handle errors as well. So from the SDK's experience, it's extremely simple. Now, that means you have to go and do a little bit of work on the Azure AD portal side of things. Before I jump into this, I, I just want to make it clear that we're, we're talking about Azure AD SSO. And I know this comes up. People, people will ask me all the time. Hey, can I use Google Google SSO? Can I use can I use my LinkedIn account? And, and what we're talking about today is Azure AD, and this is most enterprise applications support Azure AD based authentication. Yeah, yeah, and we're the Microsoft 365 Dev podcast, so of course that's what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, so, but before you go to the portal experience, right? So, which SDK am I talking about here? I know there's multi, the the history of uh, Azure AD SDKs is a long and but what does this really mean when you say we use the SDK? Where where, where do, what am I using? Uh, right. So that's the Microsoft Teams JavaScript SDK. So the Microsoft Teams JavaScript SDK is the one that you should include in your application when you are thinking about building a tab. That SDK comes with a whole bunch of other goodness. Like you can get context about the channel that you're being run inside of. You can understand, um, you know, what the theme of the of the of the Teams application is. That SDK provides you with all the functions and APIs that you need to talk to Teams and get information back from Teams. So that's really that's the JavaScript SDK that I'm I'm referring to. Right, and so a tab being HTML and JavaScript uh, on page load, I'm going to be calling into the Teams SDK and say, "Give me a token." Is that a fair enough statement? Correct. So I mean, technically, you have to say Microsoft Teams initialize to initialize, and then right after that, you can call get off token. Okay, so that and obviously, yeah, as you said, that does make it much simpler than having to worry about what versions of ADAL or MCEL or whatever. Right? Oh, I just yeah. okay, which is great, right? So now, how do I make that work on the portal side? As you were saying, there's a little setup that has to happen, right? Right. So first thing you have to do is you have to head over to Azure, the AD app registration portal, and then in the app registration portal, you need to register an application. There are three different types of application types you can register. We support all three of them, but the one I think is the, the most featureful is the, I think it's the third option, which will support all uh, Azure AD accounts as well as Microsoft accounts, like your uh, outlook.com email address, your commercial uh, email address. So you go in there, you register your app. After you've registered your app, we guide you through a few steps that you need to take inside there. The key thing to remember is you now have to tell Azure AD that you give permission to teams to get a token on your behalf. Because the way that the mechanism works is you're going, when you call get off token, you're going to ask teams to go and get a token for you. So in the app registration portal, you need to make sure that in the uh, trusted client section, you add two app IDs. You add one for the team's web application and then you add another app ID for the team's desktop and mobile application, actually share an app ID. That will tell Azure AD 
these two app IDs are allowed to get a token for the app that you've just registered. Now, after you've done that, there are, I would say, two other things to keep in mind. The first one is you need to expose an API. Um, in the documentation, we explain how to expose an API. It's quite simple. Um, you go in, you declare an API. I think it's called access as user. That's the API we will be calling. So when you're registering and saying, I, I give Teams permission to get a token on my behalf, you're really you're saying, I'm giving Teams permission to call this specific API that I'm, that I'm setting up. So step one, get Teams to get a token. Step two, make sure that uh, you set up an API that Teams is allowed to call. And then step three is a, is a really important one. You need to make sure that the application that you're registering inside of Azure AD shares the same domain name as the application that you're going to be hosting inside of Teams. So, you know, if your website is running at contoso.com, uh, you need to go and register API colon slash slash contoso.com as your application's domain name inside of Azure AD. With those three pieces in place, you've registered the domain name, you've set up an API, and you've given Teams permission to call that API, you need to get an application ID, which you actually got from the first step. With your application ID and that, that API in hand, save that somewhere in a, in a scratch pad somewhere because you're gonna go over to your Teams manifest, and in the Teams manifest is you're going to provide us with that uh, API, that, that domain and that URL, and you're also going to provide us with the application ID. Now with all of those pieces in place where you've registered the application in Azure AD and you've taken the credentials and the, and the, and the app ID from Azure AD and put it into your Teams manifest, after you upload that Teams manifest to Teams, you can call get off token and we will use the information in the manifest that you provided, validate that you are from the right domain that you set to make sure that you are who you say you are, and if all of those things check out, then we'll be able to get a token on behalf of you and the user as well. Great. And I know people listening can't necessarily follow all that without seeing it. So we will certainly put a link to the documentation in there, folks. But, of course. Yeah. yeah. But now one thing I do want to kind of parse out, and then again, this is my understanding. You said we, we need to expose an API, but but I don't actually have to have code to return data. That's not a code. I don't have to implement an API in my code, right? I can just configure an API inside the Azure portal, right? Oh, yeah. So that that API is... Azure AD takes care of all of that for you. They spin it up and, it, and it's available over there. Yeah. Yeah. So under the covers, it's what we would think of as a scope in, in some of the other terms. Right. So, but uh, yes, yeah, it's yeah, a scope. yeah, yeah. So, um, which, which threw me for loop at first. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I, I don't need an API in my app, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. And then um, does an administrator need to do that configuration to let the Teams app call that, that uh, app reg or can the, just whoever is registering the application just put that data in? Oh, really good question. You know, and, and if I can piece out from that is, is can, can a regular developer do this or does a, does a tenant admin have to be involved in this process? And the answer to that question is both actually. So a developer can build an application with no IT admin involved at all, or an IT admin can go and set up an application and approve that application for the entire tenant. Um, and so what those two different mechanisms mean when I was saying that is in the one hand when the IT admin's involved, no consent experience is required, right? So um, in that case, the IT admin would be approving and consenting this application on behalf of the entire organization to get access to those certain permissions and, and, and uh, uh, properties that'll get returned. In the case where an IT admin is not involved, and these are really for more broadly used third-party applications where they do have people 
um, in different tenants using the application, there has to be a consent dialogue. And so we actually handle the consent experience for the developer as well. And so we will ask the user um, when they try to use the application for the first time to just consent to some very basic permissions just so that the application can sign them in. Okay, and so that's our typical experience, right? If I, uh, I'm a developer, I can register an application and, and if my neighbor's gonna use it, he'll get the consent dialogue for delegated consent, right? Bingo. But now if if uh, my web app, the tab, I'm building an application that this tab is exposing and it needs to call, say, Microsoft Graph, will that consent experience have both the permission to call my app plus my app to call Graph, or is it gonna be two different consents? That is a really good question and also a really good caveat. As I've been talking about single sign-on, I've been just talking about authentication, right? So in, in Authland, we think about authentication, we think about authorization as two separate pieces. With, with the single sign-on experience that I've been talking about today, it is fantastic for authentication. We can get you properties for the token so that you can sign in that user. That means you'll get their email address and a bunch of other little bits of information. Now, if you want additional graph access, so this is now talking about authorization. If you want authorization to that user's, say, mail.read or calendar.read access, to be clear, our single sign-on mechanism doesn't handle getting those permissions. The way that that's supposed to be done today is with the good old on behalf of a token exchange mechanism that uh, Azure AD recommends. So we'll give you back a token and that token is gonna be really good for authenticating the user. If you want more authorization, you need to go and take that token that's that's sitting on the, the front end and you pass it all the way back to your back end. And then on the back end, you have to do a token exchange. Uh, it's also called a non behalf of exchange to ask uh, Azure AD and Graph in this case, for another token with elevated permissions to get access to mail.read or calendar.read or any of those other permissions. Yeah. And there's a lot of prior art and documentation on how to do that, but I guess that just making that distinction that people tend to think, oh, I have a token, I'm good to go, but there is a little extra work there, right? There is a little bit of extra work there, yes. And so, you know, we, we've gone back and forth about this a few times, and yes, it is something that we're looking at solving, and yes, we're working with the Azure AD team to, to, to solve that problem. However, you know, when, when we started talking to developers, the types of apps that require access to mail or calendar or any of these elevated graph permissions, they tend to be uh, internal line of business applications. Those are not publicly available third-party apps that are just out in the wild. These are applications that are purpose-built for enterprises. And having spoken to those types of developers, most of those applications are what you, you know, you'd spoken about earlier, the IT admin consents to all of those permissions. Because IT admins would approve those additional permissions, it's much, much easier to do that on behalf of Exchange in the back end to get all of those additional permissions. Yeah, so buy a pizza for your admin buddies and uh, have, have him or her click the consent button in the portal and make your lives, yeah, that, I totally am bored with all that. Yeah. Now, um, so here's another wrinkle to throw at you, right? So if I'm going to use the SharePoint framework uh, capabilities to host my SPFX component in a Teams tab, will this single sign-on stuff work as well? Wow, that is a... That is a really specific question. I don't know who told you that question. <laughs> so actually, you know, so a bit of so we're talking about SPFX. We're talking about single sign-on. The whole single sign-on experience that we have today, the SPFX folks, I work super closely with them. The very first version of single sign-on 
they used. So the very first version of single sign-on, the SPFX team helped build with us. So if you're building a SharePoint framework application inside of Teams, you don't even have to worry about calling get off token. We'll handle all of that for you if you're a SharePoint framework developer. That comes with a whole bunch of other you know, goodness for SharePoint developers, of course, because uh, not only can we get you that token, we can also get you access to a ton of other graph permissions as well. Yeah, that's where I was going, right? Because that whole complicated step is much easier if I just go to the SharePoint API and and click the button there. So yeah, yeah lots of yeah, which is why I wanted to I wanted to tease that thread a little bit just to yeah. give people a good <laughs> overview of what's 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 capable possible, right? Yeah, of course. And if if I can plug the SharePoint framework, if if you're looking to build an office application, if you're building for a tenant or for a company that is a big office user and you're trying to build some application, I highly recommend. And use the SharePoint framework. It's just great. Like everything we've spoken about today, all the caveats that I've mentioned, you don't have to worry about any of those caveats if you're building an SPFX. It's it's the hallmark and it's the best example of single sign-on and it's really setting ground for where we want to take the single sign-on experience in the future as well. So in that case, being able to get additional graph permissions, right? So the, yeah, the SharePoint framework already does that today. Okay, so I have another question and you can feel free to say you don't know the answer, but so one of the, my concerns or in the past struggles on the SPFX was the UI components were different in SPFX than they are in Teams and and the new Stardust slash Fluent framework that is coming out of the design office. And so it's a bit turbulent at the moment, right? Are you involved in that at all? Or should we just find a different guest for that question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am involved and I'm not allowed to really talk too much about it. But I think for what people... So is there a difference between the SharePoint UI library and the UI library that we use in Teams? Yes, there is. If you're teasing out... Will they converge? I guess my question is, will they end up being the same thing? So in the future, it'll get better? All I can say is stay tuned. We will have more to say in the coming months about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if it's a good observation, stay tuned. We have a lot, a lot of really cool stuff to show you in regards to truly like the, the whole UI concept that we're working on across Office is really like... You know, we're unifying all of our efforts. We've, we've noticed SharePoint was doing their own thing. Teams was doing their own thing. Microsoft Design was doing their own thing as well. And we've really just sort of, we all got in a room together and we hashed it out. More is coming soon. Moral of the story then is that if we give it some time, authentication will be easier, authorization will be easier, UI will be easier is, is what I'm hearing, which is I think most people would love to hear, right? Yeah. It's, it's nice that, that, that that's working. When I'm going back now to apps, right? So a common request that I've seen in folks is that uh, how do I find my app, right? And I install an app and it's uh, sometimes it's kind of hidden. And I know you said one of your favorite capabilities is a pinning an app. So can you give us a little overview of what that pinning of an app looks like? Right. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about a, a really awesome feature that we shipped back in January. And, and that's just the ability to pin an app inside of Teams. If you go to Teams today, you see a bunch of apps off to the left-hand side. So chat is an app, Teams is an app, calendar is an app. And if you could look at my desktop today, I have App Studio, OneNote, Trello, Planner. To me, that looks like a taskbar, actually. And so I think what people need to start doing is go go to that little, uh, the overflow, the dot, dot, dot. Click the dot, dot, dot inside of Teams. Search for your app. Um, you can search across the entire app catalog. Find the app. And, and if you like that experience, just right click on the icon and then just pin that to the the left rail. Does that sound like pinning it to the taskbar? I, we hope so. That's that's the experience that we were hoping to get to. And and I think, you know, we, we are really striving 
And the reason this is super exciting to me is because if I can tease and point a little bit to the future here, as some of you may know, in Teams, we are beginning to pop out group chats. You can pop out a group chat. Some of you might have seen videos of that or demos of that. Super cool because now you can start multitasking better in Teams. Now, us as the, as the app team have been striving to do is really trying to emulate like a very light version of an operating system at, at an app level where we have a task bar and that's that left rail that you're seeing. We have a task manager, which is something that my team is working on to really to work on performance and memory management for these types of applications. And there'll be more to share about that in the future. And then the third part of that is single sign-on. And then the fourth part is multi-window experiences, right? So um, you can you can start beginning to see that Teams is starting to move to a model where we really want Teams to be the first app that you use. It's the app you go to to get to Planner and Trello and OneNote. And you can do all of your, your small little tasks, your little edits, create small little documents inside of Teams. And if you need to branch out to the actual desktop application, you can. But we're really trying to move the model more towards a place where Teams is sort of the the, the light operating system that you go to to get all of your collaboration and all of your work done. You might have heard uh, some people start talking about a meta operating system and, and that's coming. And the first thing for the meta operating system is pinning those apps. So please, if you have a, if you have a favorite app in Teams, go go find it and pin it. Yeah, and, and um, I've seen some success if you are writing an app for a group of people. There are policies now that you can push those apps into your users. Uh, well, it's not a taskbar. Well, I'm not sure what you call that on the left-hand side, but that left rail, right? So, well, it's called the app, the app bar. Yeah, the left rail. The app bar, right? Yeah, so um, we found success in, in, in getting, you know, uh, applying a policy to a subset of users, and then it shows up in their uh, their app bar automatically, Yeah, which has uh, been helpful. Yeah, Yeah. so you can, you can customize that experience for students versus teachers versus other you know, other staff, so or accounting versus legal versus yeah, exa- yes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah, and so that and that kind of and that kind of comes back to this like cockpit analogy that we're trying to strive for. You just go into Teams and it, it's the cockpit; it has all of the things that you need to get your job done. And so you, as an IT admin, can basically craft that cockpit experience for. Uh, for your different types of users inside of your tenants. That's great. And so now um, I'm very interested in a lot of the things that you said are coming soon. So we're certainly going to, I'm going to put you down six months from now. We'll have you come back on and, and talk about the things that have been released since then. But um, this, I, I, I find this very helpful. And then I know that the aka.ms slash teams dev docs gets you to the homepage for the, the teams developer platform, but the, the authentication bit, just to recap again, right? There's, there's, you mentioned a couple different approaches. Can we just covered the the preferred one is called what again the preferred one is called single sign-on that's the one that's the one i was mainly talking about today that's the one that you should all strive to it has the best experience for you both as a developer and for users and if you find that you know you're you're not an azure ad person maybe you're uh you as the developer don't really have support azure ad authentication I highly encourage you to look at just our regular authentication documentation and also take a peek at the silent authentication mechanisms as well. Yeah, and the silent authentication pieces, right? So I, I know that uh, Victor Villain and his Teams generator has has got some core stuff around the silent authentication. So it, there's some help for folks out there who are doing that as well. But striving for the single sign-on would be great. So yes, this is awesome information. I, I love it. Uh, I personally think Teams app is great. I've written a bunch of little Teams apps just to kick the tires. And I never call it a cockpit before, but I like that analogy. So we'll certainly be going forward with that. So. <laughs> 
the other question we always ask is if folks have more questions and want to follow up, uh, do you have a Twitter handle or a, a, a blog that the folks can go to to get more information either for the team or for you? I mean, I have a blog. I'm pretty sure it's collecting cobwebs at the moment. <laughs> so don't, don't go to my blog. Uh, <laughs> but definitely, uh, you know, my Twitter handle is just at Loki Mayberg, all one word. I'm up there. Um, yeah, just hit me up. Uh, it's, you know, actually, at Loki Mayberg will be the same across almost everything. It'll be the same on LinkedIn, GitHub, Twitter. Is the same handle everywhere as much as I can. And you talked about this topic in the uh, the community call, right? Uh, a week or two, a week or two ago, I believe. Right? You were showing some uh, some of the stuff, so folks want to see it instead of just hearing us talk about it. There, there's a approach for that, right? Yes, I highly recommend you go and check out the Teams developer community call that I gave back in February. We'll put a link in the show notes there too, so folks can find it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I highly recommend you go check that out. It's um, in the beginning, the first half. I kind of go over you know, what we spoke about here on the podcast today. And then the second half of that talk, I take you from, you know, zero to 100. I, t I, I take you from downloading the sample application, registering your app inside of AED, uh, all the way to getting it running locally on your machine. So I highly recommend you go check that out if you're trying to kick the tires. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, good luck uh, with the work from home crowd uh, using your service. Uh, so far, so good. So uh, well done. And <laughs> Thank uh, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks.